0: so you know it it's a very interesting situation because i think that it requires um in order to understand it and begin to wrap our mind around it it kind of requires a, a change in perspective because we're not dealing with life the way that we're used to dealing with life we're not dealing with it as we know it and i think that it's very important i can't i can't even stress how very important it is for a person to consider that before they start thinking about what do I do, how do I handle it, you know, how do I deal with my fear, the rules have changed. Pure and simple, they've changed. And I call it, um, it's, I, what I, the term that I've given it that I think gives it some perspective is like we've put, we've put life as we know it on pause. So if we start off with the idea that we're going to pause life as we know it, we're also pausing just about everything that we know about life, how we live in society to be on pause. And we have to adapt very quickly to the new rules that are set up for us to communicate with each other, to treat each other well, to do business, to help each other. Um, and really begin to understand how that is and understand that that's going to, that's going to go on for, for some time right now. And what's important to know is that. Even though we're in this crisis, our personal choice has not been taken away from us. What we choose in our life has changed, but our personal choice hasn't. So I find that one of the difficulties that people are having in problem solving, or even in getting rid of the fear that they're dealing with so that they actually can move forward and do something, is we're, we're, if we, if we fundamentally understand the way the brain works, we are programmed uh, by pattern recognition. So that means that all of our life, we get very used to patterns based on the way our personal life is, our business life is, society works, and we can respond very quickly to things automatically. We don't have to think about them day in, day out. Most of the things we just react to, and it's because we're used to it. Now, with this new situation, a person is faced with a great amount of uncertainty and unknown in front of them every day because we don't know what this is really. Um, I mean, we know what it is, but we don't know what it all entails. We don't know how long it's going to go for, and we don't know how bad it's going to get before we get to the other side of it. So there's no pattern recognition to respond to this. And the way the human brain is designed is that when there's no pattern recognition to respond to something... It calls up the amygdala, which is our reptilian brain, which is designed for emergencies. For And what it t- basically tells us to do is either fight, flight, or freeze. In this case, the, the biggest problem people are having is they freeze. Um, we don't know how to fight against what's happening because it's changing almost hourly. We can't run away from it because we're stuck in our house. There's nowhere to go to and there's nowhere to go to get out of the consequence of what's going on. So people get stuck in a tremendous amount of uncertainty and confusion, and actually we just freeze in place. And then we start to go into a self-preservation mode. Um, The fear escalates, the obsession with watching the media escalates, the getting pulled into the drama of the stories on the media escalates, which then causes more fear and uncertainty and before you know it if we're making any decisions at all they're probably not good ones. So what I'm encouraging people to do is number 1 except for gathering the facts every day shut the television off, get out of the media, get off the internet, get out of, you know, don't get be obsessed with this. It it's not good for anybody. We have to we have to pause and we have to really look at before we do anything, we have to understand how is the crisis affecting us? individually. And from a from the perspective of looking at our finances, let's say, so you either have a business or you work for someone or you have people that work for you or however it is that you bring money in, you have to look at your current income and what's the state of it. Is it the same? Has it increased in any way? Has it decreased? Is there a threat that it's going to go away? And what is the outgoing that you have right now? What is your spend every month? And Based on the projection of what the incoming is, we have to adjust the outgoing accordingly because the idea is not that we keep throwing money just to try to stay afloat like we're treading water through the whole thing, but we never have enough coming in. So at the end of it, when we get out of it, everybody's broke. That would be the worst case scenario that could happen um, because then people that have businesses wouldn't have enough to restart the at the at where they were. They wouldn't be able to hire their employees back where they were. Uh, it would create a major, major crisis. And that's one of the things the government's very concerned with. They don't want that to happen. So they're trying to get this bill passed today so that uh, uh, we can help the, the small business owner maintain their employment status with their employees so that when it's over, they can restart where they were pretty much. And based on all of this, we have to make sure that we need to look at, do we need to put outgoing cash flow uh, resources on pause. So we may have to pause our rent. We may have to pause our mortgage. We may have to pause certain other payments that are going out. We may have to pause um, the payments to um, uh, employees. I mean, it all depends on what your situation is. So that is that is dealing with the crisis, getting yourself a place where you've kind of stabled the waters where you are. And then the next thing is to start to come up with a plan to understand if you're going to navigate your business or or how you're working from home, how are you going to do that? And the tendency for a lot of people is to say, well, I can't. Um, that's not true. I think that everybody has a gift, a talent, skill, specific skill sets so that they can look and find other problems that people are having and they can be part of the solution. There's businesses from little businesses to big businesses that are kind of retooling every day and figuring out how they could be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. And I think that it's very important that everybody does that. The key pivot in order to do it is to get out of fear and anger and uncertainty and move to a place of gratitude. Because if we can, if we can begin to think about gratitude, we're doing something very specific where we're giving our mind a command to look for something different. So if I can just start off with my personal life and find things that I'm grateful for there, and then begin to expand into my outer world and into the crisis itself, and literally find things that I'm grateful for, my mind will start looking for things to be grateful for. And when I start looking for things to be grateful for, I will start seeing opportunities to change my own personal situation. So the crux of it is personal responsibility, accepting responsibility for where all of us are as individuals, then gratitude, and then looking for how can we help others.
1: Wow, that's uh, that's just so well said. And there's just a couple of things. I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the place of the listener right now. They may be thinking, okay, I may have to put some things on pause, like David just said. But what do they do? Should they be looking at all resources? Should they contact their bank, You know, uh, to, to you know, their landlord? What are some of the things <clears throat> that they could do to be proactive that, that you suggest?
0: Yeah, so so I created a program called How to Navigate Uncertainty During a Major Crisis. And in part of that program, one of the things that we did was we listed major resources and we're continuing to update it consistently so people have resources that they can actually find. So once we find out what the situation is with our own our own cash flow going in and out, then it is can we get any kind of a loan? Can we get an SBA? Can we get an extension on credit cards? Can we find other, other loans that are safer and, and uh, longer lasting? We're going to, we, we want to look for those things because those things we can usually get right away uh, in most cases, and they may be able to help us weather the storm a little more. But in either case, if we can call, if we can call the bank, for our mortgage if we can call the landlord for our rent if we could begin to call our creditors and say listen you obviously know what's going on I really need to take uh, my payments and have them tacked on to the end of my lease or the end of my mortgage history or work out some kind of a repayment plan when this is over and begin to work with them then that's the most ideal thing to be able to help them to have more working capital to put into fixing the problem that they're having right now instead of just throwing it w- at whatever they need to actually throw it on but absolutely roger they need to make a phone call they need to have a conversation with a the person they need to document that conversation get the name uh, first and last name of the person that they talk to what their position is um, and all their contact information so all of this needs to be documented as we go forward this way if there's any mix-up or, or any kind of a negative ramification to the call, because let's face it, one of the things people are worried about are, there are the consequences, right? right. Um, what, if I, what if my mortgage lender doesn't want to do this and they're going to report me to the credit viewer or whatever? So we have to make sure that we're all kind of working together. And, and it starts off with a conversation, really having a conversation, letting people know where you are, what your situation is. And what we're finding is that most people really are very helpful right now.
1: Fantastic. So, David, let's move into part two. We're going to post all these links in in the body of this post so people could go listen to the full episodes. But part two, you talk about um, the mindset, right? How do you have a rock solid mindset in times of uh, uncertainty? I know you talked a little bit about it in part one, but more specifically now, with there's so much chaos happening day to day, how do
0: we maintain that mindset? I think that it is it is about. First of all, controlling your external environment, what's around you uh, first. Because if if you're battling fear and uncertainty in your mind, but you have your radio on and your computer on and the television on and it's all the negative news, you're gonna have a very difficult time doing this. If you're listening constantly to other people that are scared, if they're texting you, if they're calling you, if they're emailing you, if they're hitting you up on social media and they're only talking about fear and doom and gloom, That is not a good thing. It's absolutely not productive. So my first suggestion is get a hold of your environment. Get it all clean of that stuff. And then you want to sit down and you want to start looking at what are your priorities and what can you be grateful for? Because if we're going to get a hold of our mindset, the only way that we're going to do it is if we can start to see the truth in this problem. What does a crisis do? It causes an extreme amount of chaos. The human brain does not like chaos. Um, when it has chaos, it doesn't know what to move toward and it doesn't know what to move away from. So it creates confusion in the hopes that you can withdraw from whatever the chaotic information is that you're receiving. And so that you stop thinking about it. It, it doesn't want you to move forward when there's chaos because it says it's just too uncertain. So we want to limit the chaos and bring clarity and order to our thinking. So we have to control what's going on outside of us and then we have to give directives to our own selves to practice things like gratitude um, and, and do things like control our time, keep our days very productive. I talk about in the program how to structure your day using a calendar so that every minute of every day... You're doing it pro productively, proactively. You're setting up your day so that you're out of the negativity and you're working toward your own solution and that for your, for your family.
1: I love that. And I've actually been practicing that the the past several days and it works. I mean, I found myself, I was, I worked for 13 hours yesterday because I did just that. I set up calls. I had things to do in between and I stayed very productive, stayed away
0: from the news and man, I had a great day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it totally works. It totally works. The brain also likes, in a in a, in a a very real way, it likes to be told what to do. So if you give it, if you consistently give it a directive and keep it clean of negativity, it will look for the things that you're telling it to look for. So when I say, what am I grateful for in my life right now? It will start to look for those things. That's a command. If you say, what can I find, what can I be grateful for in this situation? That's a command. And here's the thing. The truth is, is that there is always something good about something negative because it's it's the polar opposite of the same thing. It's the law of polarity. Everything has an opposite and it's equal and opposite. But generally, human beings are not programmed to see the good in something bad that happens. So it takes effort on our part to actually be able to do that. But here's the thing. The truth is, it's always there. The good's there. The opportunity's there. The people are there, the resources are there, it's all there, but we won't find it unless we get out of the negativity and start focusing. It's not just out of the negativity, but out of the negativity and focusing on what we're grateful for. Gratitude opens the door to opportunity. Looking for other people to help is your key to helping yourself.
1: Okay, so for people that are listening that have never practiced gratitude, they're listening to you right now saying, okay, yeah, right, that sounds way too easy. But maybe they're not at that mindset yet, right? How do those people get started, David? How, and how long does it take to, to get into a moment of gratitude?
0: It doesn't take long at all. What does, take, what does seem to take a little bit is a person letting go of the fear. Now, you might think to yourself, well, why the hell would somebody want to hold on to the fear? Because when you're afraid of something that you're building an image. So when, let's, let me back up a second. When we go into fear, what we start doing is using our imagination in an, in a in a way that's that's negative. It's not good for us. Regardless of that, it's our imagination. We're building the images. We're creating the monsters in our mind. And as we do that, it gives us some sense of control oddly because it's our monster. We're creating it. We're creating the fear. And there's part of us that says that we can't let go of the fear because if I let go of the fear, something could bad happen when I'm not looking and then I'm going to suffer a major consequence. So it becomes, excuse me, it becomes the known in an unknown crisis. So when we're filled with all this unknown and uncertainty, the fear becomes the thing that's known. So we want to hold on to that fear because it's the only thing that we know. How we can help people on the other side is unknown to us until we actually start to do it. So what we don't understand either is that gratitude is something that we know, but we generally don't think about it So, because we're so consumed with fear. So if a person starts right where they are, take out a sheet of paper, and start writing down the things that you know that you're grateful for in your life. Like you might be grateful for your apartment or your house or your car or your dog or your cat or your husband or your wife or your family or your friends. Start with those things. Let yourself really feel the gratitude for those things and begin to expand that out into areas that are uncertain. So you have the crisis going on. Maybe you've been laid off for your job. Maybe you're having trouble with your business. Expand the gratitude into that area. See, really put some effort in seeing what you could be grateful for, right? Um, And then expand it out again and expand it out again. And before you know it, what you're really doing is you're telling your mind to focus on the good that you begin to see in everything. And actually, it becomes addictive just like fear because it you, it you develop a sense of control over the good that you're actually seeing. But there's a warning that goes with this. If you turn the television back on with all the negative stuff, the fear can run right over the gratitude in a second and you're right back to square one. So it's very, very important that we keep our environment very clear of nothing but factual data that helps us make very sound decisions. The data itself can be negative. I I totally get that. I agree with that. But it's better that we just stick with the with the factual data. Go to Go to resources that are giving you just the information. If you're a person like me that can watch the news and not really get sucked into the drama and the rhetoric around it, that's fine. But I still only do it to get the facts or to get different people's twists on opinions on both sides of the aisle type thing. And then I make my own decisions, great. But if you can't stay away from that, Watch what the CDC is posting. Watch what the World Health Organization is posting. Watch what the White House is posting. Trusted sources of information, so to speak, um, the best that you can, you know, and then you make decisions from that place.
1: Fantastic. And you really covered part three in there because you, in part three, you talked about the power of the whole and um, how most of us are not programmed to see things as being both good and bad. So absolutely. Thank uh, you for covering Okay, so part four, we only have a few more minutes. Uh, I know you have another appointment. Let's talk about shame, guilt, and worry and how they could affect your work and or business and how that plays into all this.
0: So human beings are not born with shame and guilt. And I know that there's a tremendous amount of argument in psychological circles over this, but I still hold to the idea that they're not born with it. We're born susceptible to it, which is very different. But that's for another time because it would take too long to explain. But let me put it to you this way. Most people all over the world are raised with some degree of shame and guilt. So it's already in us to some degree. Some people have it to the place where it's crippling. Other people have it where it's kind of just self-regulating and it's not too bad. But what I see right now is that because so many people have empathy for what's happening to everybody in the world, they start to feel shame and guilt about asking to be paid for whatever their product or service is. And in my opinion, that's in that I understand where it's coming from. I don't agree with it because you're not doing to something to someone. You're helping them. It's a benefit. And here's another thing for all of us that can figure out ways to keep the economy moving at all. It is a benefit because if the economy comes to a screeching halt, we have a bigger problem than we're currently aware of. It would be an absolute nightmare of epic proportions If this economy comes to an absolute halt. So everybody that can participate the best that they can through transactions of money and keeping money circulating and flowing, the better off that we are, you know, as we go through it and when we come out, the more people that keep money flowing, the more people that have the ability to earn money as we go. Now, I realize a lot of channels have been shut off and limited but we can create new channels. We can bolster channels that that we do have that keep working. It's gonna take effort, it takes ingenuity. Uh, A person has to really think on their feet, but we have time to do that. And the other thing is, don't be afraid to ask for help. There's a lot of people out there like myself that are making themselves and their companies and their teams available to help other individuals in areas where our expertise is, so that we can be part of the solution and not the problem.
1: Fantastic. David Nagel, thank you so much. If people want to connect with you directly, what is the best way for them to reach you? In your well, they can,
0: go to, they can go to the links that you're going to provide them so that they can get the four-part series. It's totally free. And then there's an eight-week follow-up as we go through this that goes with it. That's totally free too. Or they can go to the Successful Mind podcast because all of it's going to be posted as we do it. It'll be posted on the on the podcast. I believe the four first, the first four or five episodes are already up on the podcast so they could also watch him there, the Successful Mind podcast.
1: Fantastic. David Nagel. thank you so much uh, for the comfort, your voice of reason, and you make so much sense. And our audience and myself, we appreciate it so
0: much. Thank you very much for having me, Roger. My pleasure. Take care.